DJ Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. Wake that ass up. The Breakfast Club is on. Right. I I love coming here. I'm never not going to come here. You guys are good to me and return. I'm always going to be good to you. For a lot of people in the hip-hop generation, The Breakfast Club is where people get the information on the topics, on the artists, and everything like that. In that aspect, radio is still important. The Breakfast Club. When my name come up, respect it. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ MV. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. Happy Friday. Now, this is one of those times where we're pretending like we're here, but we're really not. But we got new content for you. Like we got Alicia Keys coming up next hour. Judge Faith Jenkins later on in the show. But I want to tell y'all that tonight, 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 tonight. 10 p.m. Comedy Central, my late night talk show, The God's Honest Truth. This is the last episode of this year. We'll be back next year with uh, fresh new episodes. But tonight we have Kamala Harris. Vice President Kamala Harris will be on The God's Honest Truth tonight at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. Uh, make sure you stream The God's Honest Truth on Paramount Plus to catch up on all the episodes. But make sure you tune in tonight at 10 p.m. On Comedy Central, Vice President Kamala Harris will be joining me on The God's Honest Truth. And we're going to be having a healthy discussion, not me and Kamala, but uh, me and Chico Bean and Amanda Seals will be having a healthy discussion about who really runs Christmas. Is it Jesus or Santa? Huh? Find out tonight, 10 p.m., The God's Honest Truth on Comedy Central. All right, we got more coming up next with The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? This Jasmine. Hey, get it off your chest. No, I just wanted to say I love listening to y'all. Y'all help me every morning. And what up, though, from Detroit? What up, though? What up, though? What up, though? And Angela, when you need a new guest for lip service, I'm trying to get on this show. Where are you going? You in Detroit still? Yes, I live here. What's your, what's your qualifications? Tell me what you do so that I can know what you I want to talk about. I've been for radio and broadcasting, so I do have experience with that. I recently have my own podcast, but I'm trying to rebrand everything and start fresh with my own show. All right, it's so. Freaky Friday. Give me a topic. Mm, let's say it's Freaky Friday. What's... Uh, uh-oh. Dark fantasy. All right, what is it? Mm, mine is <laughs> doing something in the car and somewhere real dark in the park where nobody can see you. Sounds like a horror movie waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you for calling with your freaky ass. All right, DM me, girl. Hello, who's this? Hey, this is Siobhan. Good morning to everyone. Good morning. Get it off Be your chest. Siobhan. Okay, so... In our community, I'm going to say the black community, we should normalize raising our kids without abusing them. It's just something that shouldn't be done. Like, why are we beating our kids? And like, and then people are quick to go to the Bible and say, oh, you know, you know they say spare the rod for the child. But don't we all remember in school that the rod means the rod of correction and not like necessarily disciplining with pain? You know, you but you know, you know that's something we learn from our oppressor. You know, you know and, that, and that, that's, that, that, and that's what, and that's what I'm saying. Like we need to to stop it. Like there's so many people like that. You know, I whooped her butt or I did this. What about sitting down and speaking with your child? That's right. Like my my I, oldest I daughter is um 13 
And, you know, I spanked her when she was, like, young, like, you know, two years old. And I felt so stupid. And I always say to myself, like, how could my parents, you know, beat me with extension cords and everything else and be okay? (laughs) How did that not bother them? That, and that's and that's what I'm saying. And you're you're so right. It is coming from our oppressors, but I think we need to be more conscious of where it's coming from. Like spread the word, talk to each other because this is is so sickening, so sickening. Yeah, it's awful. I used to get my right, ass well, beat. Thank you, Mama. <laughs> oh, of course. You guys have a great one. You too. Now, hello. Who's this? This is L Dub. L Dub, what up? Get it off your chest, brother. Hey, man, I want to thank God I'm living today, going to work, man. Uh, tell Joe Biden to stop the vaccine mandate BS, man. <laughs> I feel you. All right, that's bro. All, that's all I got. Y'all have a, y'all have a good day, man. Yes, you sir. Have a blessed one, too, bro. Hello, who's this? What's up, man? It's Block 80 from Virginia. What's up, 757? Get it off your chest. Man, I just want to get it off my chest. I'm feeling blessed. I'm about to drop an uh, album this month called Block Man. Black man. Okay. What part of VA you from? My little brother. You say what? What part of Virginia you from? Uh, from Chesapeake. Okay. All right, so you rap? Yeah. All right, spit something real quick this morning. I say I'm motivated. I'm the greatest. They underrated. Pockets overweighted. No, you hate it. Won't believe the lies I told you, lady, just to hold my babies. You see the wings. This year ain't no Mercedes. Walking to the room, they going crazy because I ain't got no shirt on. They rubbing on my six-pack. Some shit you need to work on. Killing these. Might as well try the hearse home. Pack smell like the nurse home. Bitch, I got the wave you can surf on and a whole lot of dough. That's a biscuit. Number. How old are you, brother? How old are you, sir? 31. Oh, okay. Do you really have a six-pack? Yeah. All right. Okay. Sure. What you want to see a picture? No, I'm just asking. I just want, I just want, I just want to make hey, sure. Look, just want to make sure his raps are real. Just follow my IG block eighty b l o k dot eighty man. I got some hot music on YouTube videos, forty thousand okay. k views, all that. All, all right. right. Well, congrats. Do your thing, bro, bro. All right, brother. Hello, who's this? Uh, Dorian. Hey, Dorian. Get it off your chest, sir. I just wanted to send out a positive message to everybody and also ask about therapy. Yes, sir. Hey, I was just uh, wanted to tell everybody out there struggling. If you're going through anything, it's all a part of your story. Don't give up. Keep on pushing and just keep on believing in yourself, trusting yourself, and visualize the best version of yourself. You got to trust your life. You got to trust God and you got to trust your life. That's it. That's it. Now, what's your question and, for um, therapy? Um, I just, it's time for me to start working on myself because it's a lot of stuff that I've been holding in. And it's time for me to really start to grow more. Hey, best decision I ever made in my life back in back in 2016, man. Started going in 2016, once a week, every Friday. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, you can go in person. You know, it's a lot of teletherapy that you can do nowadays. You just got to do some research and find the best therapist for you. What, what do you What do you think you need to go for? I went I went for my anxiety and bouts of depression, and ended up peeling back all kind of layers of trauma. But what you think you need to go for? I just need to go for like. Just for my health, well, for my mental health, because I'm real bad with my emotions, mm. and it affects everyone else around me. True because indeed. I always just put things off and say, okay, it'll be all right. Well, I will tell and you, I man. Don't know how to support people? Just, just, just find somebody that's you know in your area that you think is best suited to fit your needs. That's what mm-hmm. I would tell you. And you can, right, you, you can, you can go to my website. Go to go to the mentalwealthalliance.org, and you know we have a list of of providers. You probably can find somebody. In your area. Okay, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, mental, mentalwealthalliance.org. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club.
This is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. 800-585-1051. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yes, good morning. Uh, I just want to uh, bring it to the attention of these gas station attendants. Why? Why wouldn't you tell them to put one amount in your car instead of another amount? <laughs> I told the gas station attendant to put $20 in my car, he put $40. What? A couple months ago, I told the gas station attendant to put $20 in my car, he filled it up. He put almost 60 and you know that's what, what makes say. me mad because it's the language. It's the language. Nah, man. That's like what you got to say. Look, them. all I got is $20. This is all I have. This is what I asked you for. They got to no, give it to you. It's on your card, though. Oh. It's on your card. So they already have your card. Oh. Right. So I, something has to be done. And I don't know if it's... The, uh, usually, a lot of them um, don't speak the language. You're doing other things when that's happening. You're not paying no attention because you expect them to do what, they, what you ask them to do. Correct? Well, yeah, I, but, I think since this has been happening to you yeah. a lot, just make sure that you extra pay attention now when Absolutely. you get gas. You don't ever want to act like Trump to people who don't speak the language. <laughs> yeah, if it happened a bunch of times, you got to, you know, you got to start watching. Yeah, but if you don't speak the language. That's never happened to me. You What's always the point? say stop, bro. They get stopped. Stop. Yeah, I, Everybody knows stop. Clearly not. Hello, who's this? Hello. Hi. Oh, my God. I, I can't believe I got through. Good morning, Breakfast Club. And Good morning. Charlemagne. Peace, Queen. Thank you all for everything that you do. Um, oh, my God. I just want to shout out all the U.S. Army veterans out there. I am a U.S. Army veteran, um, a part of mental health. Um, I got out of the Army, and after two years of fear and doubt, I launched my boutique, Sasha's House. Um, the house is spelled H-A-U-S um, in German because that was my first uh, duty station. And I launched it on Veterans Day last year. Uh, it hasn't been easy, but I'm finding joy through the process. And, you know, basically my sister and I, we just made the choice to live consciously and to face our goals and live intentionally. That's um, right. And so she also has a podcast. It's called Incommensurable Podcast. It's pushing the idea that we all are unique and we have to um, think for ourselves always. And I just want to share with you. I'm so nervous, guys. You have no reason <laughs> to be. I love your mission statement. And by the way, that's not an idea that we all are unique. We definitely all are mm -hmm. unique. Our, none of our DNAs are the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to share with you yeah, yeah. You oh, your phone your breaking phone up. Is chopped up. Hold on a second, mama. Hello, who's this? Morning, this is Jerome. Jerome, what's up? Good morning, Good morning, man. Get morning. off your chest. Good morning, Charlamagne. Good Peace, morning, King. Italy. Good morning. I don't know. I, I, I just remember a couple months back, DJ and me said, you don't know no brothers with no cats, man. With no and, what? Uh, cats. 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 Oh. Animals. Cats. Cats. But yeah, I just wanted to let y'all know, my, I, I have Bless two cats. And, mm -hmm. and the dog, and uh, the name's Ike, Tina, and Turner. And you can follow them on Instagram <laughs> right now. I love cats. No, yeah, I don't cats. I'd, I'd rather have a cat than have a dog. They're a lot more low maintenance. Nah, dog protects the crib. That's, yeah, that's and the cats make sure you don't have bugs or rodents. And another thing, exterior. I had called a, a couple weeks ago, and I was talking about the uh, little girl and the period or whatever, and I wanted to apologize to DJ Envy because I told him that I wasn't, because he didn't understand what I was saying, but that was it. And okay. I want to wish y'all a happy holiday and everything else. All right, King. Same to you, brother. <clears throat> yeah. We, yeah, we grew up with cats in our house, though. We had um, three cats and a dog. 
Nah, we never had no cats. We always had dogs. My wife had a cat growing up. Yeah, yeah. I don't, there's my, nothing my, wrong my, with people who like cats. My wife's parents. Just said wrong, I just said, I don't yeah. know anybody. Yeah. If I say, I don't know, I just don't know any men with cats. That's all I said. My yeah, name, I don't know no men cats. with cats. What's wrong with being a man who has a Because honestly, they are low maintenance. They are low maintenance. You can leave a cat in the house for like three days and they'll be okay. Mike Tyson had a white tiger. That's the closest person I know that had a cat. I don't know. Let's shout out to all the guys with cats There you go. Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy had to step out. But, man, we have the author of one of the best books I read this year. Mm. Resma McKen... M- how about Minikim author of My Grandmother's Hands Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies mm. first of all it is a pleasure brother. to sit down and talk to you thank man. you brother thank how you. are you I'm doing well man I'm doing well uh, busy but doing well absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. Now, now tell folks what this book is about so brother the book is really about racialized trauma and how um, more often than not when we think about racism and white body supremacy we think about it from an intellectual place mm-hmm. like you know uh, 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 you know dates and times and stuff like that but my whole um, work is really around how trauma lives in the body mm-hmm. and gets passed down and how it gets passed down through generations what ends up happening is that we lo- we don't just learn from our caregivers in terms of instruction. We also learn from what their bodies recoil from and lean into. Trauma in a person over time can look like personality. Mm. Trauma in a family over time can look like family traits. But trauma in a people can look like culture. Mm. And, we, and we miss those pieces. And so the whole book was about my journey, my own personal journey, um, you know, in Afghanistan, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and my journey in terms of my people and my grandmother. Can you talk about what white body supremacy is? Yes, yes. So, so when we say the word white supremacy, a lot of times what happens is that people move to the head. They start trying to, well, I'm not racist or I'm not this or not, I'm not that. I'm not the person that did that. I'm not the person, yeah. I yeah. don't think like that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and so what ends up happening is is that we end up having an intellectual conversation and not how this stuff actually impacts the body. Mm. And so white body supremacy is my attempt to get us to begin to think about what shows up when we're having these types of interactions. What shows up when we see a black body being murdered on the streets, right? And that actually may not just be your own personal piece. It might be historical, it might be inter, uh, uh, intergenerational, it might be persistent institutional, and then your own personal stuff gets combined with it. You know, it's, it's, it, God bought this book in my life at the right time. You know, Angela Rye kept telling me to get it, but <laughs> it came in my life at a point where I started doing healing yeah. exercises. Yeah. I started actually doing things to help this, this, this trauma move through my body. Explain how, why that's so necessary. So, so I, so if you notice in the book, brother, I don't call them exercises. I call them practices. Practices. Yeah. Why? Is because whenever we think about trauma and spe- specifically racialized trauma, we think about something we need to just purge, right? But in, in actuality, race, the concept of race has a 400 to 500 year old charge to it. So when we start to begin to deal with it, that charge can overwhelm us. And with your experience, and I've, I've listened to you quite a bit. And so some of the experience when you have, when you yourself have been traumatized, right? In addition to the historical trauma that gets passed down, in addition to the intergenerational trauma, 
you don't really know how to articulate. So the practices are designed to go slow. One of the things about the practice is that it forces you to work with, to learn discernment. Oh, this is more resource, or this really scares me, or this is more constricted in my body. When we're traumatized, that's all blended together. We don't know how to discern one, one sensation from an image. Mm. You have to condition and temper your body to be able to withstand the trauma and the stuff that has happened so you can metabolize it over time and not just be overwhelmed when it shows up. And this practice is for white people as well. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> what happens with white folks, right? We live in a structure by which the white body deems and has deemed itself the supreme standard, standard of humanness, philosophically and structurally. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the caste system. That's it. So what ends up happening is that in that process, the acceptance of whiteness, right, made made white people have to give up part of their humanity in order to be white. They they had to. You can't participate in brutalizing people, right, without disrupting part of your own humanity. And so the practices in the book are really designed to help white people begin to confront that thing that had that the, the ways that they've been standardized as human right. and me and you've been standardized as deviant from human. They're the normal. And They're the normal and we're deviant. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it is standardized so they don't even feel like they need to even do nothing about it. That's why I have the practices in there for for for, uh, for white bodies. Okay, we got more with the great Resma Minikin when we come back discussing his book, My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies on The Breakfast Club. Hey, I want to make sure to tell y'all to tune in to The God's Honest Truth tonight at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. That's my late night talk show. And tonight we have Vice President Kamala Harris on the show. So tune in. 10 p.m. tonight on Comedy Central, my late night talk show, The God's Honest Truth. The Vice President Kamala Harris will be joining us tonight. And you know I got questions. All right, we got more Don't Move. It's the best of The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Yes, it's the world's most dangerous morning show, The Breakfast Club. Charlemagne the God, Angela Yee, DJ Envy is off today. And we're talking to Resma Minikim. He's the author of My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma, and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies. Now, Yee? Can we talk about the title of the book to my grandmother's hands and what yeah. that does represent yeah. as far as the work that you've been doing? So so my grandmother uh, was a small woman, but when we were young, like seven, eight years old, we would go over there and stay with my grandmother. And my grandmother, number one, she would be in the kitchen and she would hum. Mm-hmm. And you notice in the book, I talk about the hum and the vagal nerve Absolutely. and all that. It's a very important piece. Um, one time I was rubbing her hands and I was comparing her hands to my hands. Like my hands are very thin and angular. My grandmother had these thick digits, like thick, and then the thickness inside of her, her palm and the thickness on the back of her palm. And so I was, I was rubbing and I said, Grandma, why are your hands so fat? Why are your hands fat like that? And without missing a beat, she goes, oh boy, that's from picking cotton. Mm-hmm. I'm seven, eight, right? And I'm like, okay. And she must have heard the space, the vibe. And so she turned. And this and her cadence picked up, right? I knew I didn't know what it was, but I knew I needed to pay this. She goes, Well, you ever seen a cotton plant? I goes, No, ma'am. She goes, Cotton plant got these birds. This is the way she's talking. And I said, Okay. And she said, When you reach your hands in there, mm-hmm. at, at four years old, I started walking up and down them rows when I was four. My daddy was a sharecropper. So when you reach your hands in that stuff, your hands bleed. 
And I, I did not remember that story again till I started reading the book. Wow. Till I started writing the book. That's amazing. Because then the calluses protect her hands from and bleeding. That's and right. then it just gets used to. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. And then I took that and said, well, that's how trauma works. You know, I wanted to ask you about something because uh, me and my homegirl dad was talking about this yesterday. It was a Instagram post somebody posted and, and they said not everything is a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say the point here is we can't just slap a label of trauma onto everything. We can't understand all behavior as trauma responses. We have to think more about the roles culture plays in creating and sustaining trauma responses. And trauma responses aren't necessarily all bad. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So trauma is personal and particular. Me and you may be homeboys and, and something happens in front of us, right? A necessary component of trauma is stuckness, right? No matter what I do, it's stuck. Something is stuck. That's a necessary component. Something bad can happen to both of us at the same time, and you get stuck and I don't, right? Mm. So so when it comes to trauma, right, but, but, but there's a higher propensity to get stuck, right, when, this, when the thing that happens happens to a mass of people, right? And I believe that you will more likely get stuck in trauma when children are involved, mm-hmm. right? What I would say is some people get stuck with that and some people don't. It doesn't, but it, but, but, but I also want, don't want to take the culture off the hook, right? And say, well, not everybody is traumatized, so it's not really a big deal. It is a huge deal because the trauma that we're talking about has compounded over time and has been decontextualized. So now we take it out on each other. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I say we have to you have to do both. You have to keep the vertical and the horizontal. When you're viewing this stuff around race, you have to keep both of them on the table. You know, you, you say that uh, healing racism begins with the body. Do you think that takes precedent over legislation? No, no. Here's what I here's what I believe. I believe that legislation is fine and it is inadequate. Mm-hmm. It is unsustainable. It right? can't just be policy changes. It can't be policy changes. Mm-hmm. Look, look, we had the we had the uh, the Voting Rights Act. Right. Look at what That's right. Look at what we're doing right just yesterday. Uh, d- trying to implement the Voting Rights Did Act you- <laughs> from 65. You see what I mean? <laughs> what I believe is that as we create a, a li- what I call a living embodied anti-racist culture, as we begin to do that, the emergence will 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 open up so much room and so much fuel and so much power that our politicians will either have to comply or get the hell out of the way. Mm. But because we haven't done that, because we because we haven't worked our our own pieces, they can keep skirting around what they should be doing for us as a people. One of the things I appreciate about what y'all do here is that y'all pub people and do things for people without expecting something back. And what that does is creates a cultural glue. Right. And so those pieces matter. The more you do that. Right. The more you develop these structures of trust, not not transactional. Right. And at the same time, when stuff happens between us. Right. I can hold it with you and help you move communally through that trauma. If it's a trauma response, help you move through it and not just cast you off. That's the pieces. So, yes, legislation is fine. Anybody that's on a journey journey of healing, you got to get my grandmother's hands. You have to. Racialized trauma in the pathway to mending our hearts and bodies. It's available everywhere you get books now. Resma, thank you, my brother. <laughs> it was an absolute yeah. pleasure, man. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you, sir. I it's The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. 
Searchlight Pictures presents the new film Nightmare Alley, directed by Academy Award winner Guillermo del Toro. When a charismatic grifter endures himself to a traveling carnival group, he crafts a golden ticket to success. Using his newly acquired knowledge to scheme the wealthy elite of New York society with the help of a mysterious psychiatrist who might be his most formidable opponent yet. Nightmare Alley stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Rooney Mara, and David Stray Theron. Nightmare Alley, only in theaters today. It's topic time. Call 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with The Breakfast Club. Talk about it. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, if you just joined us, we're asking, have you ever fell in love with a stripper? A gentleman out in H-Town lent the stripper $2,000, a laptop, and some Harry Potter DVDs, and he sued her because he said they broke up. So we're asking, have you ever fell in love with a stripper? Now, I uh, frequently DJ strip clubs all the time. And I remember one particular time, our camera guy up here, uh, he was feeling sad. So I took him out for his birthday. Which one? <laughs> Nick? No, 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 Steve. Camera guy Steve. Oh, Steve. 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 Okay, Steve. Steve now, used to work I for did remote. my set. I was out, out of the club at about uh, 3 o'clock. I said, yo, Steve, you ready to go? He was like, nah, I'll stay for a little bit. I was like, Steve, you know nobody here. He was like, no, but... You know, the stripper's feeling me. I said, no, she's not feeling me. <laughs> I said, she's not feeling you, sir. She's uh, feeling the money that you're throwing. He's like, no, no, no. I think we have a connection. I said, well, hit me when you get home. <laughs> so I know you made it home safe. Steve waited there till about 4.20 till she got out of work. That's how much in love he was with that stripper. Now, Listen, what happened after that? I don't know. But he was definitely in love. It's the stripper's job to give you attention, guys. It's a completely transactional relationship. Yes. You're throwing your ones. She's dancing. That's what the strip club is for. It's like literally going into a barbershop, paying the barber to cut your hair and saying, yo, I think I think he's feeling me, yo. He's he's playing on my neck. No, he's cutting your hair. <laughs> okay? <laughs> it's the same thing with a stripper. Yeah, but, but I will say this, and for the strippers out there, when the strippers don't dance and they have conversations with their uh, mark, I'll call them. <laughs> That's when it gets a little. They're uh, having conversations to see if you got some goddamn money. But the conversation. To see if they should be wasting their time with the you. The conversation makes the mark feel special because he's like, wow, you dance for everybody, but you're sitting down talking to me. I think she likes That's it. why scrippers are great hosts. Drop on the clues bonds for all the scrippers out there. That's why they're amazing at what they do because they make you feel special. They make you feel wanted. And that's how you have to make somebody feel if you want them to throw their money. Salute to all the scrippers, man. Yeah, I, you ever fell in love with a stripper? Uh, no, I absolutely haven't. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are strippers or former strippers. I mean, I never fell in love with a stripper. I mean, you know, I've been I've been fond of one in my day, okay, but never fell in so love. The first time you got a, was that a strip club? Yeah, that was I was a kid though. Like, that wasn't even, I wasn't even old enough to be in the strip club. My goodness. I'll tell you this too. We need to be asking this question about the bottle girls, the bartenders, the bartenders. <laughs> <laughs> might, this generation might have definitely fell in love with a couple of bartenders, a couple of bottle girls before the scrippers. Well, hello, who's this? Yes, hello, this is Sean. Oh, Sean, it sounds like you fell in love with a stripper or, or a bottle girl. Oh, don't do me like that. Uh, yes, I fell in love with the Hooters girl. Uh, okay. Back in the day, me and my friends, we used to go up there up in Connecticut, and uh, she was a, a beautiful brown-skinned woman, and I would take her a lot, and I ended up, she ended up finessing me into paying for her car payment. Damn. And then I remember I would come in the Hooters, and at, at one point in time, she wouldn't give me the energy and the love that I thought I deserved, but... 
<laughs> you hear your goddamn fra fragile ego? She didn't give me the love I deserve. What the hell you mean? Well, you know, I was tipping her nicely, man. Nicely. I ego, bro. You leading with ego, bro. Oh, boy. Poor you. That's all ego. Hello, who's this? Hey, can you hear me? We can hear you. What's up, Hello? bro? You, you, in love, you fell in love with a stripper? Hey, hey, what's up, Charlemagne? Peace, King. Yeah, man. How y'all doing, man? I want y'all to know I definitely appreciate what y'all do, what y'all got going on, man. What's up, brother? Man, I fell in love with a stripper, man, back in my high school days. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. sir. Tell us all about it. Yeah, yeah. Her name was Essence, man. I, I'm, I'm still... I'm still in love with her. <laughs> How long has it been, sir? Y'all still together? It's, it's been about a good five, six years, man. The girl, she is fat booty, man, body shape, just, just tattoos. She just, I mean, she looked good. She looked hella good, man. I, I just, I, I ain't been to the strip club since. Every time I go, honestly, I fall in love with strippers every time I go, so I just got to stay away from them for real. Hello, who's this? This Nick. Nick, you fell in love with a stripper, bro? <laughs> yeah, man, I think I'm in love with one right now. What's her name? Asia, baby. This is a man flawless, family. You got to start playing with him. Oh, what is, oh Lord. Have you tried to holler at her outside of uh, office hours, sir, when she's not working? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's cool, people. You know, I got the Instagram or whatever. I'll talk to her over here. You know, we talked a little bit, but it's hard to get her out the club, man. It's Do you spend a lot of money in the club on her? Um, I spent a decent amount, but I think where the connection came at is when she uh, <laughs> came on the podcast. She came you know, on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, you know the English Fitness podcast. You know, she came on two different episodes. She called Stripper Soul. So we had her and a couple other people. But, you know, just getting to sit there, interview her, talk to her. I was like, I think I love this girl. So won't you tell her? Won't you be like, yeah, I'm going to be honest with you. I really like you. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you just did. Maybe you can, maybe you can offset her uh, her, her lifestyle. You, you got enough money to offset her lifestyle? I, I make a decent amount, but I think, you know, she... She get a lot of money already, so the money ain't gonna get her. You know, she used to. So like, to, show her love, life. show her real love, like, like, like court her. You know what I'm saying? Like, like treat her the way you would want, like somebody to treat your daughter. You would want your father to treat your mom. Like, you, you show her some real love. Good luck, man. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, right. Why not? Hello, who's this? What up, this Chris out of Baton Rouge, you hear me? Chris, what up, man? You, you fell in love with a stripper, bro? Oh yeah, dog. Her name is Miss Memphis, man. Oh my God, she blew my mind. She gave you a lap dance, and blew your mind, and you in love. What's her name? Miss Memphis, man. So I, so I, I got the lap dance, and I got her number and all that, and I hooked up with her again. And that second time I hooked up with her, when I went to the gas station, I got all kind of pills and stuff. Man, I couldn't even finish. I was, I, I got my money's worth. I tell you that. Damn. Gracious. You got my money's worth. All right, man. <sighs> Stay away from the gas station pills, man. Lord have mercy on my poor soul. Man. What's that, man? What's the what's the moral of the story? I mean, there is no moral of the story. Y'all brothers just gotta stop letting y'all ego lead, man. Cause some of y'all ego be making y'all believe things that don't exist, like y'all relationships with these scrippers. All right. All a scripper owes you is a dance. That's it. And that's only because the relationship is transactional. You paid for a service. She provided that service. That's that. Y'all get to know each other outside of that. And you know something happens. Great. Other than that, goddamn tip and keep it moving. Lord have mercy. My goodness. All right, we got more Don't Move. It's the best of The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. 
Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. Her first time on the show in a wow. long year. She's never been up here. What? She be no. busy. Seriously? Yes, Alicia Keys. Yay. Alicia Keys, what's happening? Everything is everything. Just trying to feel like I've never been in this room with y'all. I don't nope. think so. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very, there we go. It's pretty disgusting is, in here if you look around. Is it? Yeah. Is it you prefer not to be in look here? Look at it. It's all dirty. Come on, it's beautiful. Everywhere. This is your space. That's right. It's the essence to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's also your first vibe. time doing a double album. It is my first time doing a That's a lot of music. Double. You put out a lot of music. <laughs> it's a lot. Not so much. Do you just have so much music or... During the pandemic, you would like, I just feel like working. It's originals and unlocks, so. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, really is a lot of the, the songs are the same because mm-hmm. the one side is original, so that's like more stripped down piano vibes. Mm-hmm. The other side, Mike, Will, and I sampled the original. So it's really two perspectives of the same song. So if you really break it down, it's probably like 14 joints Correct. two times. Oh, that's why it says unlock some of the tracks. Yeah. Exactly. Got you, got you, got you. So got you. And usually you don't work with just one producer like you did with Mike Will on the unlocked version. How was that process? No, nah, it was great. I mean, you know, you know, to just kind of bring it back down to the basics. I think at the beginning, I always, it was just mostly me. And at the time I had my partner, Crucial, that we always worked together. But um, after that, I started to explore more different collaborations. So coming back to the basics of just like being just me mm-hmm. on the originals and then just me and Mike on Unlocked, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's fluid. It just feels kind of easy and it flows, especially for now. Obviously, mm-hmm. we're not all getting with a thousand people right now. It's mm-hmm. about keeping the circle tight. <laughs> First of all, how are you? I don't think we said that. How are you? Know you? What? How are you? How's your energy? Thank you. My energy is amazing. Okay. I was actually going to ask y'all, how the hell are y'all? I'm good. I'm good. I appreciate you It's a good time of the year. It's it the holidays. I feel mm-hmm. upbeat. I know it's a it's a weird time still, though. Last year yeah. was really weird. This year is still a little weird, but you got new music out, and this yes. is always the best time, I feel like, to drop music. It's Keysmas. That's mm-hmm. what I'm calling it, Keysmas. <laughs> that chain is nuts. Thank you. Where's my diamond tester? Come, Come on. on. Oh, don't test me. That, <laughs> that is crazy. That's beautiful. Thank like, you. That is, Thank it's you. so hip-hop. It's so... It's, that's dope. Yeah, I figure everybody else bring out their chains. Actually, Swizzy, he gave me this for his birthday. So on his, <laughs> wow. his birthday, he gave me this. That's I thought that cool. was kind of fire. Dope. You know, so what, you know, we've been seeing you now doing, doing more and more interviews more and more people are starting to know who Alicia Keys really is. Ah. Because for years, we really didn't know. Like, you did the what, 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 and then it just, Keys took off, and then we really didn't see you know this what? type of Keys, this part of Keys. I think you're right, and I guess I didn't ever realize it because I live with myself, so I know who I am, and I know how I feel, and I know what I do, and I know how I vibe, and all of my friends and people that rock with me, they know me, so I guess I didn't, and I, every time I come to an interview or I come to a thing, I'm always the same person you can't say like I'm acting differently but I guess I just never realized that you people didn't actually get to connect with me I think because of maybe the type of interviews they were so it didn't allow us to like get into the zone the way that maybe some of these ones more recently have felt who is Alicia Keys in 2021 we're going into 2022 who are you now basically who are you 2022 it's crazy um, man, you know, I'm a lot of the same person that I've always been. I'm definitely um, I'm definitely that same kind of empathetic, relatable, boots on the ground type of girl, woman. Um, but I definitely have a lot more wisdom. I have a lot more 
um, confidence. I have a lot more understanding of just just what's real and what's fake. I think sometimes this you know this world, this game, this industry can really be confusing. You know, you you don't you get confused about what's actual and what's not. So um, so anyway, but just like having an amazing time. I'm on my music fully. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm better than ever on that on that side, and and I just feel like I'm just a person who is really clear about who I am and what I want and where I'm going. Do mm-hmm. your kids understand they have famous parents? They so mad. They be like, you got to go again. You have to go again. And they always try to guilt trip me extra. I'm like, but I'm going to be right back. Every time I go, I come back. <laughs> and you could perform with me. Yeah, they, they're starting to like that. I'm noticing <laughs> my youngest Genesis, he's very, very shy. He is the boss. And he don't play no games. He don't like you. He's like, no, he don't care what. He's not trying to do it. Be like nice to anybody. Mm-hmm. But um, he's starting to like being on the stage a little bit, which is a shocker because he's super shy. The other day he was like, mommy, why you didn't call me on stage? I was like, huh? He's got to play you. He's like, huh? You want to go up there? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, that yeah, they do like that. Now, I remember back in the day, there were some things about management, right, that people were talking about and speculating on when you had first signed a deal because you got signed at an early, early age. Right, 14. And then um, they, I remember hearing that, like, they were charging you, like, some crazy percentage and then you had to get rid of management. What was the real story behind that? Really? Um, you know, I was really with the same management for a really a long time, and I don't think that it was, like, some crazy percentage. To be honest, the commissions in the business is just f***ed, you know? It's like... Mm-hmm. They're too high. And then you, mm-hmm. you have a, a management commission, you have a business management commission, you have a lawyer commission, and you add all those commissions Damn. up and you end up with less than all of them. That's right. <laughs> you That's know what crazy. I mean? So I think that it's not that they were doing something that wasn't standard. The problem is that industry standard is incorrect. And so as a young person, you don't really know those things. And That's so you just do what you think you're supposed to do. And then finally, five years down the line, when I was looking at my bottom line and my, you know, management, business managers and lawyers were coming back with more money and I was on the road for two years straight. I was like, oh, what's happening? So again, it's just an education process. I don't think it was like some major drama or thing that they were like stealing from me. It was more that this is what it usually is. And did you, you manage to, to, how do you adjust that? Yeah, you just got to tell you I'm not paying you that <laughs> yeah, like I'm not like that's not happening. I get it that that's my, what the standard is, but what has to happen for me is I need to have a long term. You know, I need to be able to. This needs to be a long term thing for me, not a short term thing. So you you reapproach them and you say I'm comfortable doing this. I won't do. I, I want to do hourly. I don't want to do percentages. I want to monitor it. I want to see. It. And you just got to get on top of your. Shit. So once I figured out what to do, I could actually execute it. But at first, you're in there like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know. So once I got past that. That's all. I think it was just that to clear it up. It never you? seemed it, ne- it never seemed like you had trouble gaining creative control and freedom throughout your whole career. Even in the early days, they let you just do you. I have to say, they definitely always. I always had control of my music for sure, mm-hmm. and I do think my first management was really instrumental on that. They were really about like me being at the head of my table, so they knew that I was playing. They knew I was producing. They knew I was writing. They knew this was my sonic, my sound, and it was really about like how to get the best out of it and we tried we at the beginning we tried to do like all of the things where all the other producers do the thing it just didn't work because it didn't sound like me it wasn't new york enough it wasn't like the vibe enough so mm. i think it definitely i think it definitely i've always had control of my sound that's one thing i really appreciate but it was the marketing and promotions that in your first deal they couldn't get a grasp on you think because clearly you blew up after that first deal 
So right. what do you think was... Oh, the very first yeah, one. Yeah, the very first deal. They just was corny. <laughs> you talking about was that Columbia, right? <laughs> but, you know, I think it just wasn't the right place for me. You know, now that I know and I believe in divine timing, you know, you realize that it just wasn't right. So I was, I had to move out of there so that I could move on to the next thing. So I'm actually grateful that they were corny and didn't understand <laughs> what I was doing because then um, I can move on. All right, we got more with Alicia Keys. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Alicia Keys. It's crazy. Is This is the Alicia Keys that I don't think everybody ever seen in their life. You know what mm. I mean? Just, when I'm hearing you on Drink Champs, I'm like, she's a f- New Yorker. Just the cockiness, <laughs> just how you feel, just the authentic. But we never got a chance to hear you speak. And I, and I think it's a different side. You know what I mean? Because we love the music. But we didn't know A keys. Right. You know what I mean? But now it's like, what is my New Yorker? She will punch you in your face. Like, this is that, <laughs> that vibe, which I love. I was going to ask at 12, what got you into singing and playing the piano and, and being a musician at 12, coming from New York City, Hell's Kitchen? Everybody's <laughs> running around outside. What got you say, nah, this is what I want to do? I don't know what always attracted me to the piano. It was almost like a calling kind of, I think. I just, I don't even know. Nobody I re- nobody I know played. My grandmother played, but I barely saw her because she lived in like a whole other place. Um, so I didn't, there wasn't somebody that was around me that kind of led me there. So I think it was a calling on the piano side. And then once I got a chance to have a have access to one, because like, who has a piano? Like that's, that's like the world. We don't usually play pianos because it's We expensive. don't have them. Correct. You know what I mean? So... So I think, you know, oh, that's what it was. I got, um, there was like a, a, a strange gift that was, a person kind of was moving and they didn't know what to do with this kind of piano they had in their family or whatever. And they said, like, could you use it? So it was one of those weird things that wow. would never happen mm-hmm. ever and did. And so I think that was kind of the door that opened it up right And there. how did you get into the industry? Because they said y- your mother was a paralegal. <laughs> So how did how did mom know about the music industry? She or how did, did dad, like how did the family know about getting you a deal? Like she, how? She did it. I wasn't raised by my father, so my mother definitely was both for me and she um she didn't know. She didn't know. Um we happened to stumble on we were at the PAL doing all of these uh kind of we were putting together a group and rehearsing at PAL on the 137th like every day after school. Mm-hmm. And so um she didn't know anything. These guys kind of were like, hey, we, you know, we think your daughter can do some stuff and this is what we could do. And I remember they'd be in our little apartment and our apartment was like tiny and they were kind of big. They'd just be sitting there taking up all the space. And mm-hmm. I think she just, I think she probably felt really distrustful. I think she just had to, she decided to kind of go with it, but I don't think she knew anything. Mm. Now you push it T on the, on the first record on the album. <laughs> yes. You sample Beanie Siegel the truth. Yes. Why push it T? Of all love, people, why push it? Push it, my guy, but why push? I love Push, man. I just feel like he has such an energy of his own. Um, you know, I, I love how he flows. It feels like he just zooms right into the truth and paints you a picture. That voice is so like. You just feel like you right there with him everywhere. It's a movie to me every time that he rhymes. So I can't believe I never worked with him before. I've always admired him. And that that tempo of, of the truth and the song that I wrote is called Plentiful. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like his lane right mm-hmm. there. So it was perfect. Why that sample? Because that sample is just so so gutter. Can you believe, I don't feel like anybody used that. Mm-mm. I don't Mm-mm. know how that one went under the radar. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize that, that Ye produced it. Yeah. I didn't really realize that. So obviously... Ye and I have history in regards to music we've made, so it was kind of fresh to come back there, not only with Ye, 
but obviously with the truth, Beanie, Big Love the Beanie, and then Pusha. But it felt, you know, it's all about keys. This record is all about keys. And those that organ and the way that I put the keys on top of it, it felt like it had this urgency and this darkness. That it, And I like how the, the vocals I chose were like a jazzy zone. So I like this mixture of worlds. It felt like it was a, a, a nice way to lure you into the world. I didn't know he did You Don't Know My Name. What? I don't know why I never thought about Ain't that. Ain't that crazy? Just, no. <laughs> nah, but I feel you. Like, I didn't know he did the truth. So. Yeah, yeah. Did you know he did the truth? I did when I tried to sample it. I tried to, I, I didn't, I tried to sample it to use for a commercial for my right, TV right, show. Right, 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 like, right. You got clear right. with Kanye. I'm like, He's Kanye. Like, oh, yeah. right. Yep. Now that's fire. Now also, fire. they said you would do another versus. You're open to it. Another versus. <laughs> another versus, yes. But, I don't know who... I'm trying to figure See, this out. This the New York out of you because when, when I'm listening to you on 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 Drink Champs, it was like, yeah, the John Legend was cool. You know, that was that was like, you know, it was obvious. Woo-sa, woo-sa, but I'm ready for that war. I'm ready for that action. So <laughs> it was too it's nice. whatever. I love that. <laughs> Who would be the one? Mm-hmm. Who do you do you do you know? I mean, I I, I agree with them. Beyonce, maybe you and Usher, and then y'all could do my boo at the end. Right. <laughs> Look, nah, <laughs> like, classic I know. record. One of my favorite be, records. I know. <laughs> I need the Beyonce, the Rihanna, the Mariah. Those, one of those three. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like you don't get mentioned in that that sphere enough? No. I don't feel like that. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in my own lane anyway. Definitely are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can see why people wouldn't because it, I don't really belong there. And sometimes I feel like Alicia Keys was born in the wrong era musically. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, yeah. What you mean you don't belong there? I just feel like I belong in my own space. You know, I just feel like I, I, I occupy my own space that really doesn't fit, actually. And even that, when he said, do you, be, you know, my name won't get mentioned within that group. I, I don't even feel like it fits quite in that group. But I do feel like I was born in the wrong era, too. Mm-hmm. I really do. I was probably missed it by a decade or two. I'm, I'm, even though. when you listen to the album now, you're like, all right, wait a minute, where we at? You know right, what I mean? Right. It's like you feel Billie Holiday-ish. Mm. Like the, you see those movies where it's like the, the bars and the lights are low and everybody's smoking cigars, cigarettes. Like that's how it, it's feel it feels. I know, what yeah. you, I, I know what you mean. And and that's why I fit perfect here right now because it's meant to be like that and it's meant to have that mixture. So I... I don't... I see, I don't. I, I disagree. Like, you spank ass. Like, you're a 15-time Grammy Award winning artist. I don't... I don't think people for know. her though for her lane she don't like. But what is the lane? You never, she do R and B. She do the pop. She do the hip hop. It's like, kind of like Sade. Sade doesn't mm, really fit yeah, into yeah, a lane. I like that. Anybody. There you go. She and got so it. it's kind of there like you go. that. Yeah, I feel like that's. I, I think what you thought I was saying was as if I don't fit in that lane, as if I'm somehow not belonging there. I more meant it as if it's maybe it's unlaneable. It's not gotcha. a comparison. You know what I mean? Got you. You can't put yeah. this song against this song because there are no. They're not. They yeah. just don't, they're not in the same space gotcha. or whatever. But she got me. She got you and she got yeah, me. Yeah, that's how they vibe. I, I see yeah. that. I like that. Now, on Drink Champs, you told the story about Prince, right? Now, has anybody <laughs> else ever not cleared a sample for you besides Prince? I, um. Because I can't imagine Alicia Keys comes, right? And she's like, when you told that story, though, it was respectful. Right, you understood. Yeah, I understand that. That's Prince, state. and he's very into ownership and making sure the right people get the money. <laughs> but I can't see somebody saying, yeah, we're not going to sign off on this Alicia Keys record. You know, I mean, I guess I don't have any that come to my head that was, like, super, super disappointing, you know, when I was like, no. Um, so, yeah, and no, I don't remember another one. That was my best, that was my yeah. best one. <laughs> I feel like Prince would love you, though. No, he loved me, which yeah. is why he said no. Right. <laughs> he loved me, which is why he said no. And I actually appreciate, he said no in a way that 
It wasn't no for me. It was no who owned what would come of it. Got you, got you. So it wasn't no to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, did you I, learn a lot of things about ownership? Like, did you and Prince have those type of conversations? So I understand now, and and he was very obviously super vocal. But he didn't he didn't over preach um, when we were if I was with him. I feel like he was more concerned about me cursing. <laughs> <laughs> Prince, he hated it uh, because he was Jehovah's Jehovah Witness. Witness. Yeah, you know what I mean. So at that point, you know, that was the most important thing to him. <laughs> And he knew I was going to slip up. For some, uh, you know, when I met Prince, that's the first thing I said because I couldn't think of nothing else that's to say. That's the only thing he said. What did he say? No, I'm a Jehovah Witness too. Because it's Prince. Said. I didn't think I would be. You know, certain people you get around, you don't realize you start no, scrubbing. Yeah. Like, it was embarrassing. <laughs> like, hey, you know, I was raised Jehovah Witness too. That's, that's, that's all I got to take to say. I grew Jehovah Witness too. <laughs> and then he asked for a picture and Prince said no. <laughs> first, first, first asked for a picture. And then he tried to sneak one anyway. <laughs> well, right. Wait, wait. First we see Prince. We go high. I go high. He says hi. He goes, I'm Jehovah Witness. <laughs> Prince is like, like yeah, that. we'll talk about that Just one like day. That. We're connected. Yeah, yeah. Goes, talk to me. Goes, we'll talk about that one day. And he goes, Can See I get me? picture? Prince says, No. He said, No, I don't. He said, I don't want to take pictures right now. I'm like, All right. Okay. So, All right. He tried to sneak a picture while Prince is walking off. I did. He took a picture. And it was there. It was Prince floating away. <laughs> right. Literally. Which is just it. That represents him perfectly. And guess what? 10 seconds later, that's in my phone. That was just black. <sighs> true story. Dead ass. <laughs> no, true. That was true. Dead ass. It he was just black. the picture and then it was gone. Oh, that hurts so bad though, right? No. I, that's when I let me let me know Prince is an okay. otherworldly being. Nah, it's for sure. <laughs> Without question. Nah, I get it. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Alicia Keys when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Alicia Keys. Yeah. When you recorded this album, Keys, and you were writing, because were you home during the pandemic doing, during, doing this? Very much in love, it feels like. Definitely. I feel like a lot of people pick up on the love, and it's, I am in love. And yeah, so that is actually love. right. And I also feel like I've also become able to express my love for myself. So I think a lot of the love that you feel is also me loving on myself and expressing like that love too. So it's both. It's obviously mm-hmm. the love I have for my family, the love I have for Swiss, and the love that I have for myself. So I think that's what's coming out. So you how was it that? letting him hear these songs mm-hmm. while you were writing them and recording them? Mm-hmm. Oh man, you know, he, he definitely, he always kind of stays out my way because he just, you know, lets me have my space and he really likes that. But I love to play him songs after I'm finished, especially when I love them. And when he loves them, it's fresh. <laughs> you know, he's, he's extra overdramatic about everything. So I love, I love that energy. But have I always been in Have love you always myself? had that self-love? Um, not the way that I thought I did. I mm-hmm. thought that I, I thought that I was very much clear about what self-love meant, but I realized that I didn't have that confidence and I didn't have that actual love. If I did, I would have probably made different choices or I would probably have demanded more for myself um, in a lot of ways, which is what I understand now. So, What about worthiness? How long did it take you to get to a feeling of worth? Yeah, the worthiness, was, that's a deep one because I always, you know, I was raised by a feminist for sure. I always felt very much like I would talked about I'm worth it and mm-hmm. this, I'm a superwoman and all these things, which I actually knew when I was writing them that I didn't feel that way. I didn't quite feel the ways I was writing, which is why I needed mm-hmm. to write them. But I didn't realize that it was actually a worth, a self-worth issue that I, that I had. So it took a minute longer than I wish I wish I got it earlier but I would say within the past you know probably in the past three 
three to five years. Same. Why is that? What is that about? December 2019, I got to you a place of worthiness. It. Whoa. Absolutely. And do you know what it was? like, Or it just like kind of accumulated everything? Uh, it was a seed uh, somebody planted in me when they told me that even if you don't feel worthy, just know God knows you're worthy. Mm. And it was like, you're just going to, you're just going to feel it. And mm. literally, I remember sitting in the house around this time, this 2019, and, and it just hit it. me like, you know what? I'm worthy. You know? That's, worthy. A, that's a hard one. I really feel like we don't feel like that a lot. When Do you remember when you got to that point? Do you remember the moment? I remember the moment I realized that I didn't feel worthy. Mm. Um, and I realized that that was, you know, I realized by being almost so accommodating that expressed that I didn't feel worthy to fight for myself. Mm. You're you trying know? to please everybody else. But I also realized it's something to fighting for yourself. You have to be like, guess what? I want this. What are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. Accommodate me mm -hmm. as opposed to me always accommodating you. And so I started to recognize that that's what I was doing. And I thought it was humility. I thought it was, you know, fluid fluidity. Mm -hmm. I thought it was kindness. Mm -hmm. I thought it was whatever. But I realized it was actually I felt some type of way about I didn't have the self-worth that I should have had. Is it because of guilt, too? Because of when you come from a certain environment, you mm -hmm. have all this success and you're the breadwinner and all this other stuff. Is it, is it that, too? Yep. Yep, I think that there was definitely a lot of uh, a lot of unneeded guilt about my success and feeling like I had to fit in and wanting to, um, you know, I just didn't want to, I, I want to be with the same people I've always been with. I didn't want to mm -hmm. feel like I wasn't able to, they weren't able to relate to me, I wasn't able to relate to them. So I think in, in a lot of ways I would kind of just act that way. So mm -hmm. yeah, I do think, but that was my own thing. They didn't even feel like that. Mm -hmm. That's the thing we do. We we project for other people. They didn't even feel like that. Right. So that that's you know how that goes. Now you said at first you and Swiss you, you didn't see Swiss as that type of person. Like y'all didn't have a connection at first. <laughs> how come y'all didn't have that connection? What didn't you see in Swiss at first that was like nah, B? Come on, it's like we literally day and night, and at least I thought that not day and night. That's what I'm saying. Y'all we actually we're exactly the same, but I didn't yeah. realize that at the time. Um, one thing I guess that we are a bit different is is that he is one million times more flashy than I. I am definitely, <laughs> I am definitely. Look at that chain. I don't see? know. But I'm, he but, bought I'm, it though. but I'm exercising. Yeah. You yeah. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm practicing my, and I love it. I'm with it. But the, uh, but I think that's probably the biggest one. You know, he he would the first car he probably got. You know, was some probably Ferrari Maserati. Mm -hmm. And so something, up, you know absolutely. what I mean? The first car I got was like a Mazda 626. Like I was just like, you know what? I want this. And to me, that was fresh as hell. I was like, I was excited, but I didn't even think that I could have more. You know, it was always just kind of about like just doing the basics type of thing. Again, which goes back to where we were. And also I want to actually drive in the street and mm -hmm. actually like be able to go places. And that's art too though. I realize that now I didn't understand that then. And so for me, that would probably be what I felt was so so day and night. He was like super over the top, everything, everything. But but I realized that was just him exercising what he deserved. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's the, the thing, difference between him and I. And I think we actually have balanced each other in a beautiful way with that. It's like you get to express what you deserve. I think we're taught that we're not supposed to have nice things because it's somehow unholy or not right and I think what happened what, where that comes from I think is just because people can take that and get confused about it and get very selfish about it as opposed to being given but one thing that Swiss is is 
super giving. He never mm-hmm. does anything for himself before he makes sure that everybody is straight. So that's um, a fact. I yeah, made, I made my first it. big check ever in this business because of Swiss. Hey. And he didn't. He didn't have to do that to me at all. He's that guy. Mm-hmm. He's always that guy. So I think that's what happens. You get might get misconstrued, and then you start only thinking about yourself as opposed to making sure that everybody is good. So as long as that's happening and there's a balance, then there's nothing wrong with having. I heard the first piano that you got, he tried to get you to get rid of it and get something way nice, and you was like, no. <laughs> the first that, piano? The first piano she ever received. When I guess when you signed the deal, they gave you a piano. Right. And you wouldn't get rid of it. He was like, there's way better pianos, more expensive pianos. And you was like, nah, B. You know, he wanted everything to be Liberace. Right. So, you know, but the um, I don't think he knew. He didn't realize. So in our house is my first piano, and that's the piano that I was given by Columbia mm-hmm. when I was 16. And and so that's like a memory. He could put it in another room because you guys got plenty of rooms. We like this one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we like this one. <laughs> now, when did you come up with the idea to do Unlocked and Originals? What made you say this is how it's going to happen? I really wanted to, well, first of all, the originals, the concept of keys definitely was always about the piano. And I really did want it to have that, just that stripped back feel. There's something about, yeah. Type of feeling. And so I think keys was really like coming back home and so that uh you just really wanted to be about the piano and writing it and 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 making it all about that and as I did that I loved it and it was and it was fire but there was there's also this other side of me to what you're saying that I think it's hard to show all of you for all of us Mm -hmm. I mean for all of us it's hard to really display that you know or have an opportunity to display that and it felt like doing this unlocked piece not only was it exciting because it allowed us to reinterpret this, these originals, but it allowed it to be a, a, the other side of me that I wouldn't have wanted just a whole album of Unlocked. And I didn't, maybe I would have wanted a whole original, but I love them together because it's full spectrum. All right, well, don't move. We got more with Alicia Keys when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking in with Alicia Keys. Charlamagne? You, you got a song called uh, Nat King Cole on the project. Yes. He, he's clearly a musical hero of yours. Right? Definitely. You know, I think it was just the theme that we started to write. I wrote that with a woman named Natalie Hemby, who's super fresh. And um, and the theme that we wanted to write was about, because the theme of Keys and the theme of my life right now is really about completely never holding back mm-hmm. ever again. And to you, you actually are allowed to be on your bullshit. Mm-hmm. Who said you have to tune down, tone down? Like, where That's did right. that come from? So that was a part of my life for a long time. I, I reject it. I don't want it no more. And so, um, and so, that song really describes that. Like, tear down the chandeliers and be like your most majestic. And to me, Nat King Cole represents that. There's like an elegance and a prowess and like a legacy and some really a power that he represents and that's why that's why we wanted to call it that ill though because a lot of people actually don't even know Nat King Cole believe it or not I think there's a whole generation of people that don't you know and that's fresh though I think because you know because I think it turns people on to like well who was that and what is that Mm -hmm. I think you know like a song or two because you over the holidays you hear Mm -hmm. like Unforgettable. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, and you're like, oh. You think it a duet with his daughter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, but so that, that wordplay, it was more about be unforgettable like Nat King Cole. Um, by the way, the Wayne verse on that to me is so ma- masterful. I love how he, I love that verse. Well, what is, when, for somebody who doesn't fit into an era musically, what is your inspiration? 
What do you tap into? Mm, everything. Mm-hmm. Everything. I love to I love to listen to everything. I love to listen to things that I love new discoveries. I love listening to new artists. I love, you know, taking it back to like the, the eras of the thirties and the fifties and the sixties and the seventies, going through the eras are, are ill. Mm-hmm. So I just think listening to everything and, and then just allowing it to kind of be in there and then go wherever it goes is part of what creates the timeless. I think it's because I actually love all the eras that it, it sounds special. I was listening to uh, Drink Champs. You were talking about the Empire State record. And you said when you first did it, you did it in L.A. And Jay <laughs> called you and was like, uh, can you change the vocals? What was your mind frame at that point? Like, you know who you talking to? Was, was it at that at any point? I feel like he probably had a really hard time making that call. I don't feel like he wanted to make that call. <laughs> <laughs> and he had to make it personally. You can't have it remade through no, somebody else. No, you can't else. have the engineer be like, yo, Jay said, you know. Um, so I feel like it how was How did that a, call start? Was it like, hey, how you doing? How's the kids? How's moms? Then like, yeah. How you, can you change the verse? Yeah, and no, he was just like, what's up? And, and I was like, hey, you know, I was excited because I was like, okay, we got, we got the record. And I knew I, I was really trying hard to meet his deadline. And so I, I worked hard to get it. And so I was like, yeah, you got it. You heard it. And I feel like right when I asked him, you got it, you heard it, was right where he was like, yeah. And then he was just like, you know, I was thinking. I was thinking. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was wondering, do you, do you think you could do one more time? Could you do it one more time? And I definitely remember. I was like, what? In my head, I was like, what? One more time? I did this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like, because I just I just feel like maybe one more time we really go and get the vibe. And I had to respect it because, you know, you do... It's true. There's mm-hmm. an energy on a record mm-hmm. and you can feel it right away. And it was his record. He knew what he was looking for. So I had the respect that I possibly could have gave it one more time. And I did realize that I was sick. Cause I, I sang it sick because I was trying to hit the deadline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just, you could tell. But I think what he really wanted was me to talk more shit on it. Because he was like, could you do more of the, you know, you go, uh, yeah, you do all of that. Can I can I get a little more of that? So he just had the direction it gave me, I can, and I took it. If you could do a collab <laughs> album with somebody, who would it be? Ooh. Damn. I would want it to be something crazy, like three or four people from like whole different universes I think that would be so ill who would it be got it okay it's gonna be um Kendrick ooh Sade mmm that's it me yes. Kendrick and Sade that's what it is that's that's it that feel like that'd be almost impossible to get done between <laughs> Kendrick and Sade <laughs> honestly it's gonna be a tricky one but I think it'd sound outrageous yeah right. let's, let's, maybe, let's, let's hope for at least group. a record yeah let's go for record. one Boy, I feel like we could get an EP maybe four songs or something let's see let's, I'm gonna push for it I feel like you might be just planting a seed I think that might be already done maybe a record or something <laughs> 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 I, w- I wanted to ask, what would this version of Alicia Keys tell Alicia in 2001? I think she would tell her to, like, don't back down. Don't back down. Like, what you what you see, what you feel, what you need, there's nothing wrong with that and that you deserve it. So ask for it. Like, before you, before you think you got to pivot or change or fix or accommodate, like, ask for what you want first. And definitely, like, to know that you, you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what to do better than you because I think that that happens to a lot of us. We we start to listen to a bunch of people that we think know more or they've been in the game longer or they've done more or they we think they could take us somewhere we can't take ourselves. But 
that's actually fake. It's not real. So well, did you back down? Did, did you ever back down? Because I, I don't see you as a as a somebody that would back down. It was more in little ways. Not like you know. Not like in. I'm definitely strong minded, strong headed for sure. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like I could overcompromise. I remember you told a story about a photographer who made you feel uncomfortable and had you like, unbutton your pants a little, now do this. And the worst. I'm, yeah. And, and for like, women out there, you don't have to do anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. You feel right. like this is art. I'm just, I don't want to be difficult. I'm just. Yeah, or you feel like, again, man, this is a really, this is a major photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, they shoot all the time. They shoot the biggest this and the biggest that. And if he says that I should probably unbutton the top part of my pants, maybe that's okay, that's probably good, because he, no, it's f***ing good, it don't feel good, don't ask me to unbutton my pants, are you crazy, you creep. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's okay, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's okay I to haul him just now. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's okay to, like, guard, protect yourself, man. Mm -hmm. Protect yourself. Nobody's gonna protect you, so protect yourself, and that's what I would tell her. Right. Absolutely. The album is out right now, Keys, and we Bang. appreciate you for joining us. It hopefully won't be another 11 years before you come no, back up here. No, no. <laughs> it's Alicia Keys. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. It's here. The most star-studded black western ever made. The Harder They Fall, directed by James Samuel. Alongside a killer soundtrack that features original songs by Jay-Z, Kid Cudi, and more. Watch now on Netflix and stream the soundtrack now on all platforms. Make sure you tell them to watch out for Florida, man. Florida, man. The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida. Yes, you are a donkey. A Florida man attacked an ATM for a very strange reason. It gave him too much money. Florida man is arrested after deputies say he rigged the door to his home in an attempt to electrocute his pregnant wife. Police arrested an Orlando man for attacking a flamingo. The Breakfast Club, bitches. Donkey of the day. With Charlemagne the guy. I don't know why y'all keep letting him get y'all like this. Well, little Duval, okay, not only am I getting them like this, I gotta get Jacksonville today, okay? Donkey of the day goes to a Jacksonville woman named Kenyatta Gordon. Salute to everyone who listens to The Breakfast Club on 93.3 to beat in Jacksonville. Uh, salute to the young man Quail P. Okay, that record he got out titled Charlemagne. When the world officially opens back oh, up, uh, you know, not like Florida open. I mean, you know, like open, open. Not I don't give a F open back up, but opens back up so the rest of us who don't take risks like you Floridians can move around. When I come to the 904, I want everybody to sing my name like Quail P or I'm not responding. Let's practice. Envy, say my name. Charlamagne. Charlamagne. Hey, yo, Quail P, what's happening, my brother? How are you, young king? What's happening, nephew? See how I ignored Envy because he didn't sing my name the way I, I wanted him to, okay? Mm, mm -mm. But, but Quail P did it right. Now, what does your Uncle Charla always say about Florida? The craziest people in America come from the Bronx and all of Florida, and today once again proves all of us who know this to be true correct. See, Kenyatta Gordon was arrested and charged with strong-arm robbery and possession with intent to use drug paraphernalia. I personally don't think anyone who gets arrested on an intent-to-use charge should be sent to jail. They should be sent to a rehab facility, but that's just my opinion. It has nothing to do with this story, really. But what did Kenyatta do to get arrested for strong-arm robbery? Well, according to police, she robbed a bank. Look, man, times is hard in the slums we're from. I tell y'all all the time, people are starving. Your stomach don't stop growling because the check is on the way. Your, your stomach stops growling when you get that check. Cash it, and now you got some bread to buy some bread to feed yourself, okay? Not making excuses for this woman at all because we all make choices in life and have to be held accountable for the consequences of our actions. And when you rob a bank, nine times out of ten, you're going to jail. 
I'm just simply trying to get you all in the mindset of this woman, okay? Now, whenever I think about bank robberies, first thing I think about is how much did they get, get mm -hmm. right? Second thing I think about is how did they get away? What was the getaway vehicle? There's literally nothing you can't find online because I Googled top 10 getaway cars for robbing banks. Let's run them down real quick. Number 10 is a 1932 Ford V8. That's the old black cars you see in all the old black and white movies. Number nine is a Toyota Corolla. Number eight is an ambulance. See, it's all about something that is fast and something that blends in. Nothing blends in like an ambulance. Number seven is a Cadillac CTSV wagon. Number six is a taxi. Yet again, another vehicle blends that in. blends right in. Mm -hmm. Number five is the General Lee. You know the bright orange Dodge Charger, the Duke boys. Used to driving Duke's a hazard. You know that one. Uh, number four is the Alpine Armored Cadillac Escalade. Don't know where you just find one of those. <laughs> no, number three is the Porsche Cayenne Turbo S. Number two is the Dodge Charger SRT 392. That's for speed. And the number one getaway car for bank robberies is the Incas Huron APC. That's the big armored truck that the SWAT team drives. No regular civilian is going to have that, so I don't even know why that's on there. But the point of all these vehicles is either for speed or to blend in. Well... Kenyatta must have been going for the blending part because she damn sure wasn't going for the speed. Would you like to know what her getaway vehicle of choice was? Would you? What is it? Let's go to WJAX CBS 47 for the report, please. The Jacksonville Sheriff's Office is releasing the identity of a woman accused of robbing a bank from her wheelchair. This is a new mugshot of Kenyatta Gordon. Action News Jax broke the news yesterday when police say that a woman became angry while discussing her account at the Regions Bank in downtown Jacksonville. She's accused of telling a worker that she was going to kill everyone inside and that this was a robbery. She left, they say, in a motorized wheelchair after getting the cash. She was arrested just a few blocks away. They see me rolling. They hey, drum, stop it. I don't like when you go rogue, drum. All right, Jesus. What the Florida is going on here? All right, there's only three people who could have truly gotten away with this crime. One, Roland Ray, okay? Two, Snoop Dogg's character in Training Day. Three, Professor Charles Xavier. Those are the only three individuals who could have gotten away with robbing a bank in a wheelchair. Now, let me tell you something. This is why Florida is full of brilliant idiots, because robbing a bank in a wheelchair truly is the best way to blend in. Even if you don't really need a wheelchair, if you roll in the bank, Rob the bank, then roll out, okay? Roll a block or two, all right? Once you get up and walk, ditch the wheelchair, now you don't even fit the description of what the bank teller saw. That's smart. It's genius. Yes. All right? The sad part is this woman didn't have a plan. I'm not encouraging people to rob banks. No, I'm just saying, Kenyatta, picture a plan before you picture yourself rolling into a bank, asking for a big bank roll. And listen, just because I have understanding of this woman's situation, meaning I understand why she would be in the mind frame to rob a bank, simply because I understand the current economic condition a lot of people are facing, it's easy to say Kenyatta should have just rolled with the punches life was throwing at her. But no, folks is broke and you can't tell people to just roll with it. OK, in life, we all have a role to play. But sometimes what you're casted as is out of your control. Remember when Kodak Black said he can't even roll in peace. Remember that? I can't even roll in peace. Well, neither can Kenyatta <laughs> because she's starving, waiting on this damn government to roll out these damn stimulus checks. By the way, she's only 39 only 39 i'm inspired by people who keep rolling no matter their age but she's just 39 and and, and she's, she's at the point where even though she's disabled in a wheelchair she has to rob a bank at 39 think about that kenyita i feel your pain 
But even though I feel your pain, I still have to give this story the credit it deserves for being stupid. But Kenyatta, I'm praying for you. I want you to get the help you need for your drug problem because they found a crack pipe on you. Yes, she was riding dirty for real, but I'm telling you, Kenyatta, I want you to get clean, put the BS behind you, and one day, I promise you, the good times will roll. Please give Kenyatta Gordon the sweet sounds of the Hamiltons. Oh, now you are the donkey mm. of the day. Mm-hmm. You are the donkey of the day. Yee-haw. Oh, we're not going to play a game? Oh, y'all don't want to play a game today? We're not going to do that. We're not going to play a game? I don't want to play. Well, I have no problem rolling out. A game of Guess What Race It Is! All right. All right. Here are the context clues. All right. I don't even know if these are context clues. I don't even know if I used that correctly. But Kenyatta Gordon. Okay. Jacksonville, Florida. Uh Uh-huh. Robbed a bank in a motorized wheelchair. Oh, you want a description? I need to give you a description. No, I don't need a description. You sure you don't need a description? Give me a description. Give me one little quick description. description, Let me give you the description that the police were using. Hold on. Okay. This is the description. Hold on. Let me see Mm. if I can find it. Hold on. Uh, Officers are looking for an adult, blank female, 39 years of age, with short blonde hair. Ooh, I got you now. You thought it was easy. I thought it was easy. You thought it was easy. I said short blonde hair. Kenyatta. I said Kenyatta. Kenyatta. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. (laughs) Kenyatta Gordon Ramirez. All right. Who said Ramirez? Ramirez. Oh. I'm I'm down for the profile. I'm going to go. Okay. Puerto Mm -hmm. Rican. Angela Yee, you sure you don't want to play? I think it is a white man. A white man? <laughs> a white man. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. I see where we're taking it. Uh, <laughs> I, I ain't telling y'all whether y'all right or wrong. We're just going to leave this one. <laughs> 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 leave it like this. Black right, why don't you ask me to sing your name? Why you only ask um, Envy? Well, no, I asked Envy to say my name. <laughs> I thought you wanted him to sing it. No, he said say it. Mm-mm. You want to say his okay. name? Say his name. Go ahead. Go ahead, Quail P. <laughs> I'm not telling y'all. It's Black right, History Month. Okay. I'm not telling y'all. All right. All right. What well, can you eat to go again? <laughs> Thank you for that. I'm leaving it up for interpretation. Okay. Charlie McKay. Y'all guess. Figure it out on your own. Go Come find. On, go, go do your own research. I'm not telling y'all. White man. All right. I agree with you. <laughs> okay, that's, that's what I saw. All right, we got more. Don't move. It's the best of the Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building. Yes, indeed. We have Judge Faith Jenkins. Welcome back. Hello. Thank How you. you. I'm doing great. Good it's morning, been a while. Good morning. three years, right? It's been three years since I've been here. 2018? Time flies. Yes. Wow. Wow. I know. What has changed for you in three years? A lot changed okay. in three years. Uh, I got a puppy. Puppy. Cooper. He is a uh, Cavalier Yorkie Poodle mix. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very energetic little guy. But uh, a lot of responsibility there. Mm-hmm. Wasn't expecting that. Is a dog allowed on the bed? No. Okay, good. No. He's not allowed on the bed. He ha- sleeps in his own room. We, we, we. He has his own room? Well, yeah, because I wanted him to learn very early on to be independent. So we put a we crate trained him early on with two things we were able to do. <laughs> crate train him and potty train him. Okay. If you don't do that from the get- beginning then they hate it. Yes. Right? So yes. you don't train them to get used to that and they'll go in there like my dog would look all sad every time cuz mm-hmm. in the beginning I would let her just like roam around. Mm-hmm. But then I was like okay, sometimes we have to put her up if she's been bad. Yeah. And she look all sad and then I feel bad. 
Yeah, but what the trainer said from the very beginning, the biggest mistake people make is they give the dogs too much freedom. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you have to rein that in early on. But yeah, a lot a lot of other things changed. What up, what I, up, I, I, I got married. Got, oh, got married. Yeah, thank you, thank okay. you. And that I'm sure <laughs> catapulted you to write this book. Yeah. Sis, same rules apply with the puppy. Yes, yes. Yes. Same rules apply with the puppy. They got a whole new responsibility. Early on, get him a trade-off. Same stuff. So everything applies. So got married, started divorce court, switched judge shows. You always a judge faith, and now I'm on divorce court. And then of course I wrote sis don't settle the book. Ah, right. Well, how's yeah. divorce court? It's interesting. Is the show real? Like when you say when when you go to divorce court after, are you divorced or is it more after that? Really, they changed the premise of the show several years ago where you can be on the show and don't have to be married. So there's mm-hmm. a there's a there's a different aspect of the show before your vows where people come in, they've been in this their relationship for a while and they're just they're trying to decide to get whether to get married or not. So that's a part of the show where we address the do's and don'ts and if if they actually should proceed and move forward to the next level in their relationship. So it's really opened up to where it's not just married couples. Mm-hmm. And then legally, do we give divorces on the show? No. Okay. We give advice mm-hmm. on what to do when you're at this breaking point. And people sometimes bring their papers and we will refer them to other attorneys. Mm-hmm. So friends could come on the show and... and- Friends? Well, I guess relationship you divorce friends. Your friend? <laughs> no. 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 We oh, haven't we haven't gone that far. Okay. Opening I, up. It's 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 real people in relationships, relationships with real issues. I didn't know that. I didn't know that I thought that when they go to divorce court they get divorced after so they too. leave. Legally legally we cannot grant a divorce per se, mm-hmm. but we can give them advice on how to proceed in mm. going to the next level. What's the craziest the, story you heard on divorce court so far? I had someone come in and she'd been married for 11 years and they have two children together and he has three other kids. And it was really crazy because this this man would take her kids and go to the see the other women and the other kids. They all knew each other, but she remained uninvolved, but just knowing Mm. about the other relationship. And I thought, how do you get to that level? in your life where this is such a painful experience for you, but you're accepting it under the some kind of premise in your mind that it's better to stay in this marriage because you think having him around would be better than nothing at all. Staying in a toxic relationship, a relationship that's not good for you, doesn't help your children. All you're doing is normalizing mm-hmm. really inappropriate behavior in front of them. And they, they all, in turn, the they see it all. Mm-hmm. And it affects what their relationships will be like later on in life. Some Absolutely. people feel like once they take a vow, then they can't break that vow because it's no matter what. Or for better or worse yeah, and all for those better things. Or for worse. And I've heard some people feel like, you know, they're reliant on that. Some people treat women, if they re- leave a relationship or leave a man for doing something like they're wrong because they didn't stick through it because you got to be ride or die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a mistake mm-hmm. that people make because... You know, at all times in your life, there are a lot of people that you love in your life. And one of the tough things about life is a lot of times you have to walk away from people that you love Mm -hmm. in order to protect your peace. That's kind of like the chapter in your book, uh, Dealing with Rejection, Mm -hmm. when life life sets you free. Yeah. I mean, when one of the big chapters in the book, one of my favorite chapters is the chapter on rejection, because we all go through rejection. And for a long time, I didn't know how to handle it. 
So and I moved to New York right after I got out of school. So I was uh, in the city trying to figure all of this stuff out. And I'll never forget one of the first times I, I got rejected. I was I was actually in college. There was an annual event called Casino Night at my school, and I wasn't dating anyone. I didn't date much in college at all. Mm-hmm. I was really about the books and all the organizations and cheering mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And uh, I asked a guy to go to Casino Night with me, just innocent, not a really a date, but just go to this event. And uh, he hesitated. He paused, and then he told me no. And uh, I you remember, you we were friends and, and he was a good looking guy. He was cute. I knew he was single. Yeah. So I thought, well, you can't just go to casino night. But he told me no. And yeah. I remember being embarrassed at the time and avoiding him for the rest of the semester, not wanting to see him. Well, five years later, I was walking down the street uh, in my college town and I ran into him. And he pulled me to the side. I was with some friends. He pulled me to the side. He was like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? I said, OK. He said, do you remember several years ago when you asked me to casino night? He said, well, I wanted to tell you that I really liked you, but I didn't have a suit. I didn't have anything to wear. And I was too embarrassed to tell you that I didn't have a suit or anything to wear. But I thought it was really interesting because um, how many times do we take rejection or someone telling us no and then we go down a rabbit hole and we make it about us that's right wow am i am i not good enough am i not smart enough am i i'm not pretty enough and it could it could absolutely have nothing to do with you and everything to do with them and something that they're going through or their perspective or some guy who just doesn't have a suit so i learned from that experience and then going through other experiences dealing with rejection in my life how not to internalize it and take it so personal all the time right. whether it's with a love interest a job whatever it is that that you're dealing with with, with rejection most often, it's just not about you. Salute to Judge Faith Jenkins. We're talking to her right now. Her new book, Sis Don't Settle, How to Stay Smart and Matters of the Heart, is out right now. And I want to tell y'all, too, man, make sure y'all tune in tonight to my late-night talk show, The God's Honest Truth. It comes on at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central, okay? You need to get in tune if you're not in tune, and you need to tune in tonight because we got Vice President Kamala Harris joining us on The God's Honest Truth on Comedy Central tonight at 10 p.m. PM. Join me, that, why don't you? And while you're watching, use the hashtag TGHT. We'll be back with more Judge Faith Jenkins. Y'all, the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Judge Faith Jenkins. Charlamagne? If you weren't Judge Faith Jenkins, mm-hmm. would he have came up to you five years ago and apologized and all that? No, it was five years later. Yeah, I wasn't on the oh, okay. oh, I was just running later. into him oh, at the you, school. Okay. So he didn't try to ask um, you out again and be like, but I got money for a suit now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he he just wanted to tell me. It was like he wanted to get that off of his chest. He really wanted me to know because he gave me no explanation at the time. Dang. A lot of you know, a lot of times, and we have to release ourselves from wanting to know why. Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, I talk about this in the book too. How I um, would call people and try to find out. Well, I just want closure, and I want to know why this didn't happen. You know what's going on here and you have to release this need to want to know why Mm -hmm. closure does not come from other people Mm -hmm. it comes from you because I always say don't give anybody else that kind of power over your life no one should have the power when I got married to, to my husband Kenny I always say that's him you know, sitting out here. Now? Yes, he's okay, out there. He, came with you. Okay. <laughs> he um, uh, when I got married to Kenny, I remember at being a t- and this was just a year and eight months ago, by the way. So I spent a long time out in these dating streets, living, learning, growing, mm-hmm. and really having an appreciation for what I knew would work for me. 
in a relationship and what wouldn't. What I was willing to compromise on, what I wasn't willing to compromise on, all my likes and dislikes. This is what you should be doing when you're single, figuring out who you are. You're, di- you know, you got married and er- everybody's path is different. You got married at an early age. 22, 23. So you grew up mm-hmm. together with your wife. Whereas for me, I was single for so long and, ve- and very independent. I was wondering how am I going to mesh mm-hmm. with somebody else when I haven't lived with anybody even since college. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of those things you're thinking about. But I remember at the time when I got to the place where I knew I was at a point in my life I wanted to get married. I was so happy with where I was in my life. And I thought, I want to bring somebody in my life who's going to add to this happiness, not make me happy. And like you said, sometimes people get married and they think once we get married, he'll turn into the person or she'll turn into the person that I want them to be. And that does not happen like that. Marriage doesn't change anything about anybody. It may Mm -hmm. change your last name, but that's it. So people come in, they want, they're dating their reality, but they want to marry potential. Mm. And and that is a, a big mistake because you have to learn radical acceptance. Accept this person for who they are. Mm-hmm. And if their core values aren't lined up with your core values, what about a wedding do you think is going to change that? Because all it does when you get married is really revealing more about who people are. It's revealing what's already there. And so if you don't like what's there, nothing about getting married is going to change that. It's only going to exacerbate any problems that you already see on the surface. Where did you meet Kenny and and how did you know he was the one? (laughs) I met him through a blind date. Really? Yeah, I had just gone through a breakup six months prior to meeting him and I had a conversation with God. I had a real honest conversation and I said, I've learned all of these lessons in my life at this point. What else is there for me to learn in the relationship space? I really believe it's time. And I wrote, I took a sheet of paper down and I said, within this next year, this is what I want to see happen in my life. And one of those things is I want to be my husband. Mm-hmm. And I took that sheet of paper down and I wrote that. And I go through this stage, all this, this process in the book of what I did to manifest what I wanted to happen in my life. And uh, six months later, I met him. And I was not just out there like every day. Okay, is that, is that him? Is that my husband? Mm-hmm. Like with everyone, I was just living my life. So I decided I was going to go and take some, uh, some, some singing lessons again. I was going to put out a, a Christmas album. and uh, <laughs> Well, you got bored during the pandemic. You got bored during the pandemic. I was going to put out a hit, a hit okay. single. Right, a hit single. And, uh, and so I started taking some voice lessons. I met up with this super producer, Aaron Lindsay. And uh, the moment I sat down with him, he said, for him, it clicked. She should meet Kenny. He said they would be perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. And so uh, he set us up and we, we met and, and the rest is history. It was the first date? We just went to lunch. Mm-hmm. No pressure. We sat and talked for two hours. Mm-hmm. What was the pressure like for yeah. you with people asking all the time, when are you going to get married? Yeah. When are you going to have kids? Because mm-hmm. you discussed that also. Yeah. It's hard because being single in my 20s and in my 30s and being from Louisiana. So I would go home for the holidays and I had this one uh, Aunt Frida who would show up with her watery mac and cheese, but always, you know, questioning me and my <laughs> relationship status. Some names have been changed to protect the innocent. But she would show up and and but but then I started getting it from strangers. Right. And uh, if you're not careful, you can really internalize that and make can make you feel like somehow you're lacking. Because no one asked me do you want to get married? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They would just say, why aren't you? As right. if there were no other option for me. Or mm-hmm. right, right, like, like something's wrong. And so if you're not careful, though, that pressure can get to you. Mm-hmm. And you can feel start to feel like, is me being single something I need to explain to other mm-hmm. people? Is this something I need to defend? 
No, there are, there are almost 8 billion people on this planet. We can't all be doing the same things at the same time. We all have a different life path, a different life journey. Please stop asking people when they're going to get married, when they're going to have kids, and let people live their lives. So I talk about that in my book. How do you navigate when the questioning comes for you? I will tell you this. Mm-hmm. I was never unhappily single. I lived my life. Mm-hmm. If I had waited, mm-hmm. I would have lived half my life just existing because I just got married last year. Mm-hmm. So I just made a determination that I was going to live my best life. And guess how I met my husband? Going to do something that I just loved doing, going to pursue a different hobby, something that I was interested in singing again. And that's how I ended up meeting my husband. And I hear so many other women talk about that, how they were doing something that they love mm-hmm. in their own lives. And that's how they met the person that they ended up having this authentic love experience with. So in my book, it's really a practical guide because I did not have these huge examples of love, like I said, and this is the book that I would have wanted to have. When I moved to New York at 25 years old, I wish somebody would have given me something like this to read. And you were whole and happy when you met Kenny also, and I think that's important too because sometimes people feel like they need the other person to complete them, Mm -hmm. when really you both should be complete people when you come together to have a great relationship. Yes, and, and that happiness and wholeness, as you know, it's a journey because as you get older, It's actually harder to fall in love as you get older, especially, you know, being single in my 20s and 30s because you've been through heartbreak. And if you're not careful over time, you can become very cynical about love Mm -hmm. and you cannot be a cynic about love and expect it to to attract it in your life at the same time. Break break that down because you talk about that in the book. I think I think that's very important. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't be a cynic about Mm -hmm. love and expect to attract it in your life at the same time at some point you have to be able to work on releasing the past you can't say all men cheat all men are dogs but I want one (laughs) exactly marriage don't work because I went through that time where all of those things were really about fear of opening myself up to love again and I realized that that fear wasn't serving me all it was was poisoning my perspective And so if you really want love, you can't have this poisonous mindset about what you really think about it based on your past. But I also don't believe that you can just at the at the drop of a hat say, "Okay, I'm going to free myself from my past. Mm -hmm. Nothing about my past is going to bother me anymore. I'm not going to bring this into my next relationship. That's not realistic. What is realistic, though, is recognizing what your triggers are and working on it. It is a process so that you don't make somebody new come in your life and pay for what something they had nothing to do with in your past. Mm-hmm. Alright, well, no more. We got more with Judge Faye Jenkins. When we come back, it's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Judge Faith Jenkins. How did he propose? Here in Central Park. Central Park. Yeah, in I Central Park. I my wife in Central Park. Yeah. So, yeah. so who sings better? Then who? <laughs> <laughs> you just singing last Oh, yeah. Well, come on down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with a, a, a professional here who's been doing this a long time, 25 years. But um, I, I, I don't sing in front of Kenny. <laughs> was, was, uh, was, was therapy a, a requirement? Because all my sister friends said mm-hmm. they refuse to date a man right now or even take a man serious if they're not doing the work on themselves. We, we took things a step further. We went to pre-engagement counseling. Wow. What is that? Before we got engaged, we did counseling sessions with a pastor. Because for me, I think after you get engaged and you've announced and you've told people, and then when you go to counseling mm-hmm. or therapy sessions, uh, it's, it's harder for people to say, well, hold up, wait a minute. 
is this what I really want to do? Because Mm -hmm. everybody knows there's that extra pressure there. So for us, things were going, things had gone so well. And a lot of people think, by the way, oh, well, what's going on? Are you having problems? Is that, is that why you're going to counseling? Mm -hmm. It was the opposite. We weren't having these issues and we were, we were so in sync on what our core values were. I thought, okay, I haven't been married before. Are there questions I'm not asking? Mm -hmm. Is, or is there is there something else that that I need to delve into that I'm not? So what's the best way to find that out? Go to a professional. Whose idea was that? It was my idea. Yeah, okay. It was my idea. I said so. Was he nervous when you said that? Because not like, at all. Things are great, and you want to go to a professional. Not well, at all. <laughs> and I thought Why can't his do that. That's a good way to be pro- proactive. So, so proactive. Yeah. Because I do feel like in a relationship. Because you won't always get along, you have to know how to handle each other Correct. when issues come up. Absolutely. How to deal with conflict in an emotionally mature way. Mm-hmm. How to deal with anger in an emotionally mature way. Because that's really the key. The quickest way to ruin romance in any relationship and marriage is unkindness. Mm-hmm. I think you got to hang First Corinthians 13, was it 4 through 8? up in your house as a constant reminder <laughs> yeah, for it's real a constant reminder Absolutely. Yeah. because that's when you talk about therapy you talk about counseling that's what you're talking about 100%. you're talking about getting out in front of it, something mm-hmm. you don't wait till the wheels fall right. off mm-hmm. and then try to go and salvage the relationship and go to therapy then you don't wait till your house gets robbed to get an alarm system exactly <laughs> exactly so you're out in front of it and you're doing the work in advance and so that's what we did when we went to our pre-engagement counseling before we ever got engaged we were talking about getting married and then when we did get engaged we, we did it with so much peace because we've been through these counseling sessions. And I remember at the end, and by the way, Kenny was like, if he weren't a singer, mm-hmm. he would be, I think he would be a preacher. Mm-hmm. I think he would be, I think he would be a counselor. Just the wisdom that came out in those sessions. I remember my counselor turning because he's, you know, he's been through, I didn't marry somebody who's, who hasn't been tested. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have, I, we both had relationships that didn't work out for one reason or another. And we've both been tested in, in those areas. And so when we went through those counseling sessions to hear the wisdom, they came out of him. I remember the pastor turning around at one point and he was looking like, okay, <laughs> what, what do you have to say? <laughs> I heard what he said. What's what your response to that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, you know, but at the end, I remember him saying, I have no reservations whatsoever in blessing the two of you and moving forward in marriage. Y'all got an A plus in counseling. We got an A plus. <laughs> now, what are some of your triggers? Session. I know you talk about triggers mm-hmm. and red flags also mm-hmm. in the book. Mm-hmm. So for you, what were some of those? For me, I would not date someone who had a history of infidelity. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that people don't change. Right. But for me, um, patterns in people's lives reveal a lot. Most guys aren't going to admit to you that they have a history of infidelity no, either. No, you have to do your due diligence. That's a section. That's a section in the book. You do your due diligence. You do the best you can. I mean, you sometimes. I'm not saying turn your house into a CSI lab in the back and, and pluck a hair while he's sleeping. But I'm just saying, do your due diligence. Mm-hmm. If you know, but if you know, see, a lot of people know though, Angela, right. and they still choose to look the other way. It's like, okay, there's a red flag, but how red? Is this red flag? Is it pink or now, how far, exactly? How far so, back have you gone on Instagram, Jenkins? For what? And you're snooping. In my snooping? Yeah, I, I perused. Uh, you know, <laughs> a couple of years. How many what's years the What's the other red flag? So no um, history of infidelity. Yeah, a history of infidelity is a red flag to me. Um, Honesty. If you tell me you're a vegan, but I see you on Snapchat with wings, <laughs> what if they're vegan wings? <laughs> you know, it's like just be just be honest. Don't 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 try to present yourself as somebody that you're not, mm-hmm. because to me those little things right. really do add up. Okay. If you're not really no, being real, honest. Who you are? Vegan, I got you. <laughs> Anything else? 
<laughs> also, work ethic, a mm-hmm. good work ethic, because I'm very ambitious. Right. And so when you know, though, when mm-hmm. you just know what your just know what your red flags are, what things are important to you. If you know you do, don't want to date long distance, don't complain to me about mm-hmm. your boyfriend not calling you from Dubai if, if he lives in Dubai. So um, just knowing what they are and identifying them and recognizing them, you know, red means stop. People will not change for you. They change for themselves. And no one wants to change because you put a gun to their head. Absolutely. It has to come from within. Do you think your healing journey, your love journey Mm -hmm. is part of your healing journey? In a way. Mm -hmm. I don't project on my husband or on people in my life a responsibility that they have to help me heal Mm -hmm. in every aspect. I think when people come in your life, in your life, they are a part of your journey. Mm-hmm. But that responsibility really has to come from you. And when I have women in uh, divorce court and they're very broken and they've been through a lot, and I tell them, I say, you know, the trauma that you experienced in your past was not your responsibility, it was not your fault, but your healing really is. Mm. So I never wanted to project any hurt from my past onto somebody else for them to take the responsibility to heal me. Because again, that power had to come from me. Mm-hmm. You know, in closing, I do want to say, sis, don't settle. Mm-hmm. Some people have told me that settling down means you settle, right? They're like, oh, it's in the word settling down. So mm-hmm. you can't have everything. And sometimes you have to just compromise and say, okay, I'm willing to settle. But to see how you've managed to uh, wait to find the right person and not settle and get exceed the expectations that you had I think Mm -hmm. is a testament to Mm -hmm. uh, making sure that you can know that you can have it all right your career your relationship and in your own timing and not have to worry about what anybody else has to say right Um, your life's journey is your journey and I think that especially as women we have to embrace and love what our journey is you know comparison is the thief of joy that's right and stop comparing our lives to somebody else and, and, you know, have these milestones and your happiness can't be tied to getting married. Your happiness can't be tied to having children. Your happiness can't be tied to your next TV show, your next job, because then you'll always be chasing a carrot on a moving stick. Mm-hmm. So what, what this really is about mm-hmm. is learning to be happy right where you are. Look at everything that's happened in the, in the past year and a half and what we've learned about life. If you don't love today, where you are today, then you've just missed out on a day of living your life. There are a lot of people who wish they could be in your shoes right now, just living. So when I talk about not settling, it really is about embracing your journey and being at peace where you are and not allowing somebody else to pressure you to be somewhere where you're not supposed to be because Mm -hmm. this is your journey. This is what you're doing. All right, well, sis, don't settle. <laughs> Judge Faith Jenkins out here giving Steve Harvey a run for his money. There you go. <laughs> Steve Harvey wrote the quote on the, in the front of the book, too. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. He's a good friend and supported my book, and I really appreciate that. Well, and all thank of you, you too. For joining us this morning. And you thank guys you. have a. Uh, this year, no, this is not your first Christmas together. No. Second. second. It's second our second. Together. Yes. You guys have an amazing Christmas. Thank you. you Are you going to do a duet or something for us? Where, for Christmas, your Christmas song duet? Oh, you know. <laughs> Angel, don't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> Maybe one day. <laughs> All right. It's Judge Faye Jenkins. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same.
What up, y'all? It's DJ Envy. You can save over $500 on car insurance with the General Insurance. You heard that right. Take a closer look at the General and call 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com today. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc., an insurance agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now, Charlamagne, you got a positive note? Yes, the positive note of the day is simply this. Never blame anyone in life. The good people give you happiness. The worst people give you a lesson. The best people give you memories. Remember that, especially during the holiday season. Breakfast club, bitches! Y'all finished or y'all done? 